All right, uh, Chad, well, why don't you... Um, are you on already? Yeah, we're on. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. We're what on. do you mean? Hey, hey, welcome. Chad, you need to do the introduction here. Give your... What, give your high? No. <laughs> Anyhow. Because... I know. Today... Welcome to Drinking and Thinking. And uh, our guest today is my pops, Mr. Paul Hilzer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or polywog, whatever you want to call him. Oh my gosh, that's going way back. So, what? So you have some cool stories and stuff. So, like going back to um, Vietnam stuff. You've got firefighter stories. Got nine eleven stories. So, uh-huh. go You're for it. Right in. Go for it. You're in the shit. Well, let, let's hold on. Yeah. Hold on a sec. Let, Let, let's, Rick, take over real quick. Let's start from the beginning. I did my part. Like, uh, like where'd you grow up? In the South Bay, Harbor City, just north of Pedro, San Pedro. Born there. Born in Long Beach in 47. Huh? You used to hang out with Snoop? Uh, yeah. He's a lot, he's a lot younger. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Not he was much. alive then. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, parents did what? Uh, my father was a fireman, retired. Okay. Well, he did it. And, um, and then he was a jack of all trades besides. He worked at a trailer supply place. So he was in charge of all the work that got done in there, and he did most of it. And he until was a, his arthritis got so bad that he couldn't do it. Mm. And that that he, was back when firemen were firemen, and they had side jobs. jobs. Everybody yeah. had side yeah. jobs as yeah. firemen. Well, when he was with the fire department, he was a diver, so he would, yeah, you know, put out the the docks that are on fire or whatever. Or fires from the yeah. from the water and in rescues. The water. Oh, yeah. Rescues. Yeah, and rescues. Yeah, he was in the first dive class they had. My dad was an avid swimmer, so. He was already on the boat when they decided to start the dive program, and uh, so he was instrumental in making that work. Back when they had, they had to make their own wetsuits back then. What they make them out of? Out of rubber, but okay. they would get a pattern. And dad, my dad, cut the patterns and put and glued them all together for all the guys that were on his shift. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. So, so in the water, what do you mean in the water? Why is he in the water? Be, because the creosote would warps that are down there yeah a lot of times they have a layer of asphalt on the on the top of them so we can't get in to fight them unless we you know you know got jackhammers and whatever to try and break up the dock so dad and his crew would they'd bring the boat around and then they would go off the boat Hmm. swim in with a float a trip like this and then it had a variable nozzle on it so you could either do straight stream or fog to really protect you from the heat with the fog but if you needed a deep seat you could blast it and uh yeah that's where he got hurt so um yeah the bow turret on boat two old boat two this this boat was built in 1926 and was still active when i was on the job and uh so you were same department yeah yeah, both That's L.A. Cool. City Fire Department. Well, there was an, another, and then his, and my grandfather, his, his grandfather too. I'm the one that wow. fucked it all up. My so. grandfather was on the same job. Yeah, yeah. all on boats. Nope. Oh, okay. Dad was the only one on the boat. There's no my rank. There was no spot on the boat for it, even though they had a boom. So technically, you know, because I operate an aerial. Okay. So, yeah, so, so he, you were. Uh, he drove the hook and ladder apparatus operator. What do they call AO. it? Ao. Yeah. Okay. Ao. Yeah. Right. Okay. Better, better known as an asshole. Well, at times. somebody's got. Well, they do have it. to be. They're the ones that always challenge the captains. So, yeah. Well, I know Rick's going, but now I'm on this this train right now. So, you've been, you know, from the grandson to a son to a fireman. 
I want to know your take on. Oh, <laughs> why Chad didn't do it? No, 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 not not Chad. Like uh, the firemen of today, compared oh. to when you were on, compared to oh when you're, when fuck, you're, you don't want like, to get me started. I do on want that. to. No. I do. Well, like yeah. what happened? What the hell happened to the firemen? They changed well, the standards for one. Yeah. So you didn't have to, like we all had to know structure, right? You were mechanical. Um, you were physical too. You had to be, you know, guys, I wasn't one of the bigger guys on the job, but I worked out a lot to make sure I could handle it. And then, um, and then the common sense factor that is so important to our job, you know, but these, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know if I told you guys before I had a, a kid, a rookie. So the rookies assigned to me on the rig and he's, he's on my hip. Mm-hmm. I go, he goes right. and I'm responsible for him. Right. So anyhow, I'm working on tinkering with the rig one day and just stuff that I can do because I can't do everything. We, we have mechanics that can come and do that. So I sent the kid into the workroom to get me a Phillips head screwdriver. Oh, boy. Ten minutes go by. This was Craig, by the way. No. no. <laughs> Ten minutes go by. I don't see this kid yet. And so I go back to the workroom and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I don't know which one. Oh. Really? Yeah. How about just bring yeah. them both then? Yeah. See which one At, works. Yeah, I said there's no. You're on probation. There's no dumb questions. But here's a good question I'm going to ask you: Is where did you work before you came on here? Mm-hmm. He was a bank teller. Yeah. 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 Bank teller. And I said, so why did you come on this job? Yeah. He goes, because I wanted all the time off you guys get. Mm-hmm. And you I should, said, do, do not repeat that <laughs> yeah. statement again. Because yeah. if you do, then I'm going to tell the skipper. Yeah. Well, you should have. Because if you couldn't tell between a, a flathead and a Phillips, <laughs> he should have been fired on the spot. Yeah. Now, well, you, that's the start of it. That though. guy's probably the chief now. Oh, probably. No, no. You <laughs> no, don't want to go no, into who the no, chief no, is now. Do you remember stories that your dad told you about the firemen? I mean, obviously, you know, making his own wetsuits and stuff like that. Like, do you feel like when you were a rookie? Your dad and his colleagues were rolling their eyes at this guy. This young punk doesn't. Oh, sure. Every generation is going to go through that. Yeah. And you just have to accept that. And that's the thing you learn when when you are on probation. You keep your mouth shut and you listen. You know. And and like I've always said, there's no dumb questions when you're on probation. Later on, yeah, you should have already known this. Yeah. So yeah, that was my attitude. Um, I mean, I got to go to a great set of stations when I was on probation. I went through Hollywood, and it's a busy area, nice area, and the sights aren't too bad up there either. Sure. A lot of good scenery. Yeah. Especially, especially along the beach. Especially, no, no, this is in Hollywood. We didn't go to oh, okay. the beach. Gotcha. But I'm talking about Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and Vine, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Those were, that was my first end district. And we Hookers had some and cocaine. Fires. Hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's so much the other way, too, yeah. on the west side. Yeah. But that's in the county. <laughs> we I didn't know have you're going and, and then you we'll, and then we'll you worked. Alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you worked. Uh, then you worked in Watts. When I got promoted, yeah. I went to Watts. Yeah, yeah. So that's similar to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. So the 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 one story about the girl, the ball rolled into the thing. That, that's a great or beads or whatever. Oh, it was. yeah. I so we're we're out doing fire prevention. So oh, fire prevention is when no we go into buildings and if we see you know, obvious infractions, then we talk to them. If they handle it right then, then we don't have to cite them. Commercial buildings. And, and. Residential? 
Yeah, because apartments, oh. hotels, oh, rental, we still have rental properties, yeah. that kind, but not single families unless we're requested. Right. Okay. But it's not on our thing to do it all the time. So we're out doing fire prevention in the commercial area of 66s, which is at Florence and Western. That was where my station was. When I backed in the quarters, there was that much room on either side of the mirrors because it was such an old station, and the rigs have gotten yep, bigger, bigger and better, Yeah, obviously. So anyhow, we're out um, doing fire prevention, and and I'm staying with the rig because everybody can't go in because if you leave that rig naked, it will become naked. Yeah. Mm, right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it can happen anywhere well, yeah, now. That was in the riots. I mean, I'm Because we couldn't lock, story, we couldn't lock up the rigs. You could walk, lock up the cab, but the compartments are all, they don't have no locks. locks on them. Right. They have latches, but yeah. So uh, I'm staying with the rig, and and I'm I'm sitting over on the where the skipper usually sits. So I'm on the sidewalk side, so I can watch that whole side real well while I'm in the rig, you know. And I'm listening to the radio in case we get a call. And these two girls are over there, and and uh, <clears throat> I uh, she's holding the, the beads because she had corn roll in her hair. Uh-huh. And so I got off the rig, and I I walked up to her, and I said. Uh, you need help putting those back in? I said, my wife's a hairdresser. I know how to do this stuff. And she goes, really? You do that? And I go, yeah, let's do it. So I do it, put the tin foil on the end, and, and she goes, thank you. And she goes, do you have kids? And I said, yeah, I have kids. And the only, I had my, I, back then I was still carrying my wallet. I quit carrying it because I lost it one time at an incident, but I found it eventually. But I opened the thing up. Well, the, he and Brooke were both towheads when they were little. And so I showed them to the girl, and she goes, these are yours? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, well, they're white. Because <laughs> me, at the time, my dad had a perm and loved the sun, so he was August just dark. August and September, dude. it was yeah. around that time. Yeah. I mean, I was dark. And, and I had a and I had a and perm. And he had a perm. <laughs> what year was this? Nine, 69, 70. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I was born in 74. Oh, wait, 79, <laughs> 79, 80, excuse me. Okay, yeah. all right. Because it was after I went to Watts. Yeah. I went there and said. Yeah, so that was pretty funny when he yeah, that was told us that story. story. So are, we just, are we just getting by the whole perm comment? Yeah, that, tell us about this perm, dude. <laughs> it was I mean, that was the time. Don't you remember? Then. Yeah. No. Well, well you I were, do. You were not yeah. perm. You don't probably, three or you four probably don't remember. You're not old enough. I Well, I was. So you like doing the disco and shit? Is that what you were In 80, I was nine years old. We wore those suits. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't zoot suits. We wore the other ones. Yeah, you so, know, but he used to sun, you know, with the oil and stuff, you know, oh, full yeah. on, just yeah, yeah. So, so going yeah. back to like, I wanted to touch on like a thought that I had about you know generation to generation and how we're getting further away from you know being kind of maybe not survivalist, but we're Man. we're we're becoming softer, you know. And, you know, I'm sure your dad had thoughts of like, dude, I had to bust my ass, had to make everything. Mm. I'm not going to let that happen to my son. I'm going to give I'm going to work my ass off and do everything I can so that his life is better. Which made you a little bit softer than your dad, I'm, I'm guessing. And then you had your life that was like, ah, man, this and that was hard. And I definitely don't want Chad to deal with that. And. I'm going to make sure that he, you know, doesn't have to deal with the same things that I deal with, which might have made him a little bit softer. And I'm sure Chad is, you know, kind of guilty of it as well. I know I am, you know, compared to my dad and whatnot, you know, 
Um, do you agree with that? And I do because I I see it as we're trying to make things better for our family. Yeah. And but you know you always hear the stories of you know like my mother. Oh, we had to walk ten miles and yeah. barefoot. I said it didn't snow. snow in Pedro, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. But, but anyhow. There is some truth to the, that. Yes, there is, definitely. I yeah. think so. Yeah. That's what my dad always said. You know, it's like everybody says, you know, talks about the good old days. He's like, the good old days kind of sucked, you know, because of no running water. You know, we didn't have this. We didn't have that. We had to, you know, bust our ass just a little bit harder. You know, asbestos, who gives a crap? You yeah. know, you go in there and you strip the paint, you know, or whatever you had to do with, you did it. You know, and yeah, we you had a job. I, I think we're shielding our kids mm -hmm. to the detriment of them in in some ways. You know, because but this is part of the problem too. Yeah, for the he's pointing to the cell phone. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, well that uh, saying that uh, is out there. It's you know, tough times breed strong men, strong men breed nope. good times, good times <laughs> oh, breed okay. weak men. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, and I think absolutely. it's to an extent, too. I mean, obviously, like Hollywood that has millions and millions of dollars. I mean, they're probably a little bit overdone where my dad that worked hard, your dad, your dad, all hardworking guys. Hollywood, let's say, not working hard, and then they spoil their kids. So there's a different level, I think, to that. Yeah, because everybody loves their kids. They don't, right. You know, they try and give them everything. You know, I mean, that's just what you do. You know, but sometimes, like, I've had thoughts of... Gosh, man, you know, maybe like I, I feel like I was hard on my kids, but you well, know, yeah, I think times are changing that too. Like, like when Paul just pointed at the phone, right? Like, you, I, I look at our kids and we're we we shield them from screen time. They don't have iPads or phones. We just don't let them have it. Then you think the world right now is is technology. Oh yeah, right. So are we doing our kids a disservice? Yeah, or are they falling? Yeah, it? they're falling behind. You know, you know what I mean. So like, it's scary. Yeah, you know, like like. I'm gonna, I, you know, I don't know how much you know about like the whole Web three and NFTs, and so he probably hears all this shit and is like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> but if you're if you're eight years old, true, yeah, you, you get should it. know it, yeah. Like, and it's and if you don't know it by the time you're ten, oh, you're yeah. probably behind, yeah. You know, but like when he was a kid, what the what did you worry about? Where your friends are hanging out and yeah. like, how far you ride ride ride, ride your bike before the got, before, before it got dark? Yeah, cars. Yeah. Like you know that, I mean? that was like, the technology. I things think things are that was changing too. So like when you're looking at, you know, him as a kid versus us as a kid versus our kids, yeah. the world's Way different, different too. Yeah, yeah. So you can't just put it all on that. Yeah. No, 100. percent I mean, these are just thoughts that I have. Yeah. You know, we all do the best we can raising our kids. You know, and there's no book saying no. This is exactly what you need to do to create the best human being that you possibly can. You know, like we all give it our best shot and you know make mistakes. But I guess you know my 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 question is like I wonder where this is heading. You know the the so are, are, and maybe are, it's are a, you, not a maybe it's not a bad thing. Are you, you know? pointing to the fact that you know Paul is squared away and he ha how did he how did he breed how, Chad? How did Chad that? get so fucked up? <laughs> is that where you're going? Hey, I'm pretty no. successful in my own mind. No, of course, boy, that came out of right field. Is that the question you're asking, Rick? Or? <clears throat> no, I just see society in my mind. I see society and and young men. I see, I see a degradation of manhood. And maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe that's, you know. Well, I'm not yeah. saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying th things are different. Different. Yeah, you and know, see, I wonder. Men, men today, are, like, today versus 
when Paul was a kid growing up, you had to work. And yes. that meant you had to, it's physical. Right. Now it's all right, it's all at the tip of your hands. Like yeah. you, like like I was joking on the way here, yeah. like we don't go, I didn't go to the library anymore. <laughs> I worked all day on my computer staring at my screen. That wasn't what they had to do. Yeah. Right. But that's what I'm doing and, and kids now are having to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. I you know. Um but not knowing what a Phillips head screwdriver is, <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah. guilty of that too. Like, you know, I rebuilt a car in my garage not too long ago. And, you know, I invited Drake out there a few times to come help me out, you know, see what it's like to take a car apart and put it all back together kind of thing. Yeah. And most of the time he didn't want to, you know, but he came out a, a few times, you know, and you don't want to force that on if they if they're not interested, they're not interested, you know, but I'm not. That's what's different. Our dad didn't give a fuck if we cared or not. We were doing it. Yeah. And You're if we didn't learn. do it, we had to run. Like I, I mean, when I was a kid <laughs> and, and my dad asked me for a, a, a crescent wrench, I didn't walk to the oh, garage yeah, yeah, and get a crescent wrench. You had to run wrench. and get it. I had to run because <laughs> he wanted that fucking crescent wrench. Now. Yeah. Now. Like, it didn't matter. Yeah. What would you know? come back with? Two wrenches? It was either a pipe wrench or a crescent <laughs> wrench. I just grabbed all the wrenches and I come with them. <laughs> but I, I look back and, like, I knew pretty early on my tools because my dad forced me to do that, you know? So maybe things are different in that regard. Right. But it goes but, back to, you know, you're, I'm assuming you're not that way with Jackson. I'm pissed off that he doesn't know it. And I'm mad at myself because he doesn't know it. It's your yeah. responsibility. But, totally. uh, but your yeah. memories of being a child and the way your dad kind of handled things made you choose or had some influence, I'm guessing, of how you uh, I don't know about treat influence, Jackson. But it, we're different. My, my dad does everything himself. And it doesn't matter if it's plumbing or electrical or construction. Um, I don't. No reason why, just because. Well, maybe you have the means to call the man. Even he, he still does and still does it. He's still old won't. school. Yeah, that's he, all. he does everything himself. Old school. Yeah, that's I what mean, we yeah. did. My dad still com- comes over here and rotates all the tires up. or yeah. does oil changes, you know? And it's like, I think I was. Well, let, let me know he, when. He, he, <laughs> well, he learned all that from my grandpa, obviously, and it, and he, it stayed with him. My dad would teach me that stuff, and it was like, yeah, I could do it, but I'm lazy, and you know what? And I'm just, I don't want to do it. Yeah. So now I'll go pay for somebody to do it. You know? But I had to do it on the road, too. So. Well, that's true, it but that's part of your work personal. day, so yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> do the firemen still do it on their own rigs? Yeah. Mm. That's still required. Huh. Yeah. Got to go out of service and do it as quick as possible. So we're talking too much. We need to get back on, on Paul. <laughs> no, I think this is good, but yeah. Good. Um, yeah, so... You went out of, or into the fire department right after high school? No. Oh. After I got out of the service. Oh, okay, yeah, so let's go back to that. Vietnam. Because this is interesting. You went into the surface, service 1960-what? I went in the reserves in 66, and I went active in 67. You joined voluntarily then mm-hmm. in 66. Was there anything going on in 66, or was there like yeah, murmurs no. of... Nam was, was, was hot and heavy, and yeah. so was the oh. Cold War. Okay. And that's what when I was Na- involved in. When did Vietnam start? Whew, I'd have 65 to or 64, sure. something like Before that? Before 65, I believe. Okay. 
that's when I got out of high Sam school. Sam fact so. checked that. <laughs> well, yeah, it was early sixties. Um, yeah. So sixty seven, you said you went active, and then you were Navy. Yes. Well, yeah. Hold on though. Why did you choose to go in the military? Was that something your dad did, or was it something I, your I was buddies going, were doing? I, I was going to junior college, taking fire science as, mm-hmm. was my major, because that's that was my ultimate goal. Right. I knew that's where I was headed. Hopefully. And so after two years, I graduated 65, 67, I was graduating from junior college. Got my AA degree in fire science. Well, there's no BS program for fire science afterwards. So now I no longer had a school deferment. I was going to get thrown in the draft. Mm. And so my dad said, you're not. And he was in the Navy during the war. So... So I went. We went over to Terminal Island, took the exam, and and uh, I scored real well. And they said, "You're gonna, we're gonna put you in the submarine thing." And I went, "What?" <laughs> I mean, that was the first I had heard about that, you know. Okay. And so I rang up my dad back when we had the dial phones yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, rang up my dad, and he said, "Oh yeah, if I could have been in a submarine during World War II, I'd have done it." Wow. How bad was yeah. that in yeah. World War II right. with submarines? I might not be here. Exactly. Right. And that means me either. Yeah. So yeah. trickle effect. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I, I got into the subservice, and then in um, December of 67, I went active, and uh, we they give you a wish list and stuff like that, and where you want to go and, and what do you want to be assigned to and stuff. Not Vietnam. <laughs> well, I didn't think submarines were going to be not much. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a good decision at I that had, point. I had, uh, I've had guys at the VFW ask me that. What did they use submarines for in, in Vietnam? And I said, you forget there was a Cold War going on then. I had 16 missiles on our back mm-hmm. floating around. Yeah. Just, you know, for waiting for the call. Yeah. And you walk through the missile compartment and it's just ticking away because the longitude and latitude for all those birds are changing as we move. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are all set targets on all 16 of those birds. So I tried to stay out of the missile compartment. Were they? They were nuclear, though. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other thing. They said I'd never be on a nuke boat because I was a reservist. And I said, <laughs> okay, fine. Because I had studied on a diesel boat there in Long Beach. Not one. When you could, say boat, you mean submarine. Yeah, all submarines okay. are boats. Okay. And uh, um, so I said, well, if they stick me on a diesel, so be it. You know, that's what I've been learning on. For set orders, Pearl Harbor, you're going on the Benjamin Franklin, which is a nuclear-powered submarine with six, you know, 16 missiles, and you're flying the Guam tonight. <laughs> so I hit Hawaii, and I took off and went to Guam that night. And what was that like? Like, what was going through your mind? You know there's a war going on. I mean, are you scared shitless? Are you, like, what's going on in your brain at that point? Well, I, I think, it, honestly, inside that I felt comfortable for the fact that I didn't have to do country. Yes. In country. You weren't going to the jungle. Right. And a lot of, you know, I lost 10 guys out of my graduating class, mm. you know, were killed over there in the first year. That was going to be one of my other questions answered yeah Yeah. and so i'll I'll admit the first time we submerged i was nervous yeah you can't help it right you know they they send you through training and all this stuff but the first time you go down and you start hearing that sub creak yes because of the the pressures are starting to 
you can feel it in your ears and stuff like that, you know, and then you got the, the old timers making comments to you, you know, oh yeah, last patrol, one of the young kids tried to get out. <laughs> you know, it's just what a 20 year old kid wants to hear, huh? Yeah. And were, were they screwing with you or is yeah. that real? Okay. Yeah, okay. Were, okay. Kind of open, open did they, did they ease you yeah. into that? I know you said that first time, did you just go down for a little bit or is that first time like six days? No, we had, we had a sea trial before we went out on patrol. So the boats come, there's two identical crews on that submarine, from the captain all the way to the junior guy. And so it's blue and gold crews, what they're called. I was on the gold crew. So when the blue crew had the boat, we were back in Pearl going to school to, you know, advance our education and stuff, whatever rank you were in, you know. And then we went to... Um, when we flew to Guam, we were there for a month when the other boat came in, our boat came in, and we were there a little over a week with the other crew. So we had to stay on what they called a sub-tender. And the crew that had the boat, they still assumed their bunks and all that stuff on the sub. But the gangs all got together. You know, you had this, we need to take, you need to take care of this before it goes back. And it just... You know, a quick troubleshoot and make sure the boat's ready to go. Because when we go out, we don't come up. Right. So, so how long were you down for when you went down? Longest I was ever down was 65 days. Holy shit. Yeah, with no sun. Yeah. Now, uh, was there... Wait, 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 see that white car yeah, right do, there? Do, that's what my skin was like when I came up. And yeah, do yeah, the math. That's uh, a little over two months. Yeah, that's quick math. <laughs> so, like, so dumb, 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 dumb question. Uh, uh, no, dumb, there's no dumb questions, rookie. Well, I, I, well, yeah. Okay, so... Right. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, when you're in a ship, you, the ocean, you're getting moving. Yeah. Do you feel that same thing? Are you just under the – is it moving around? Do you see – Yeah, it just it? depends on what depth you're at, obviously. And, and then if we run into storms and stuff like that, we we'll just go that. deeper. We go oh, deeper. deeper. Yeah. Oh, so it's always sure. smooth-ish. Yeah, unless we come up to what they call making a pass, so we would come up to periscope depth only at night. We never did it in the daytime. Because we didn't want a visual on us. I mean, we're yeah. national security out there. Yep. Kind of a big deal. You're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Top secret clearance. I go, <laughs> how did they do that? They didn't ask me any questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so that aspect of it is, uh, yeah, we could just go down a little deep. And you could tell, like, if you weren't on watch, because we stood 6 and 12, 6 on, 12 off, you could, you had to qualify, too. So that was another thing, and I'll. If we get to that, I'll get into it later. But when you went to sleep, when your own, at least had your own bunk, not like the old subs were, where you had what they called hot bunking, and uh, you'd sleep. But when you wake up, if your ears were messed up, then you knew we had done, we did some kind of a maneuver that I didn't hear down in the sleeping quarters, you know, because it's they keep it pretty quiet for us down there. You and know? you regulate just by pinching your nose and blowing out, or I just drop my jaw. That's what I like. Okay. That just like that, that way, got that's it. All yeah. I, did. I did it right then. I just did it. Right. So well, I, I'd for, I, I'm going to forget that. So we mean qualify. Qualifying is, I don't know if you guys ever saw my hat or not, but there's yeah, a yeah. little patrol pin on uh -huh. top. But there's two dolphins with a submarine in the center of it. Those are called, and that's what we get to wear on our chest. So to get qualified, you have to walk from the bow to the stern with an officer, and he's shooting questions at you. Not that you have to know how to fire a torpedo, you know, because we still had torpedoes also. Yeah. Or obviously, I'm not going to be messing with the missiles. Yeah. But you had to be able to troubleshoot each compartment. Mm -hmm. So if we had an incident, 
flooding, which is a big, big no-no yeah. for us. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. yeah. So you have to go through and and this and this officer is just shooting questions at you, and you go, man, I'm never going to get through this thing. You know, I didn't think it was going to be this tough. Yeah. But and, and it was hard, and and uh, I don't, I got a little over halfway through, and we went in the general quarters, so they I stopped me that time so then the next next day then i finished up but i was able to get through it but so i'd imagine that was pretty pretty education for the fire department too though oh yeah i think or training wise i think yeah, the big thing them. is being on a crew yeah get yeah. you have to get along obviously yeah. or you're out yeah to see no no <laughs> but they'll put you they'll put you to surface at least have a dunk, dunk that, tape. That, and yeah. if i didn't get qualified in two patrols you're off also. Okay. And to the jungle you go, maybe. Or on a surface craft, anyhow. Mm. So, yeah, that was, that was a big thing. And the, the worst thing when I first went on board is there was only one guy junior to me on the whole boat out of 142 guys. That's a big-ass fucking submarine. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, you can look it up. It'll tell you all about it. Which one is it called? USS Benjamin Franklin, SSBN 640. Ooh, shit. What was your job? I was a quartermaster. What does that mean? That's in the Navy, it's navigation. Okay. So in the Army and the Marine Corps, I believe it's supplies. Um, so I learned navigation, and I also, before I got, was able to get in the gang, um, I was a helmsman. So I drove the sub. Oh, wow. And I, and I did the bow planes, and I had the rotor. Nice. Yeah. Now... <laughs> It's awesome. It's yeah. a yoke like an airplane. Is it really? It's okay. awesome. I bet, dude. When you have, like, I used to be a heavy equipment operator out of high school, and for 20 years I was a heavy equipment operator. I always enjoyed that feeling of power of just, you know, it's like you're, you're in a robot, basically, you know, and you're steering this yeah. massive piece of iron, you know, kind of wherever you want it to go and do what you want it to do and all that stuff. Yeah, that, that, would, have been, that would be really cool. Um, while you were navigating, I mean, was it like flying an airplane? Cause there's underwater mountain ranges. There's, you know, things flying through the air, like whales and stuff like that. Like that, we didn't worry about animals. Oh, really? That, that you just run through But them, we're huh? not going very fast either. You think about what's this. very fast. I mean, what's not, very we're fast? doing maybe three knots at 110 feet, which is, what is that in miles per hour? Uh, Ish. You better look it up. Okay. It ain't very slow. It's not very fast. 30 miles. Because the the faster we go, the more noise we put out. Right. Okay. And so, like, every half hour, we had to clear what they call clear baffles. So the OD, officer of the deck, would put down and go, Hills are take it right. uh, On a heading. Yeah, give me a new heading. You know, and I'd take it harder to the right. Not pick up speed, but just do that. And so, and then once I got over there, then he would reverse it and have me go hard the other way and then come back to our course we were supposed to be on. Because obviously you're not, there's no windows. You're just flying based off of coordinates. I got, I got numbers in front of me. That's it. So did you go to the, 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 the reunion back in 2019? I went to Branson, the one in Branson. I went to the one in San Diego, too. Hmm. Pretty, they, cool, pretty cool. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot on that boat. Yeah, it was an awesome. Boat. So it's you, gone now. It's you were on the sub for how many years? Two years. And did four patrols. And each patrol is how long? At least sixty days. So you were you were underwater four times for sixty plus days. 
Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. But now, you think about it, we made our we make our own water. Yeah. So desalinization. So we had a ten thousand gallon per day still on board. Damn, that's crazy. What about oxygen? We Air. made our own. We had O2 generators. Okay. So um, the only time, like for showers and laundry, that those that day, when they're gonna clean the the uh, filters and stuff on the on the um, decelerization, because obviously they're gonna be filthy. Yep. And, well, yeah, and so, um, you could nobody could take showers those days. It was all saved for cooking, and um, we used seawater to cool the reactor. So. That wasn't a, a necessity that we were pulling off what we were drinking or because we drank that water. Oops. So. Sorry, guys. Huh. Was there ever a uh, holy shit moment? Like the only time there was a holy shit is when another submarine went down. Went down. Went down. Oh, you're hearing. We lost him. Yeah. Oh, and, because and you're like, am I next? And I can't remember <laughs> if it was the Scorpion or the Thresher. It was one of those two, and I can't remember. We'd have to look it up. But lost it for what reason? Yeah, what was the circumstance? One was a main seawater line burst and so then it just sinks they got too much water too fast you know they couldn't control it as far as we know because we weren't there right right right. you know it's a lot of guesswork when they do these investigations it's, and they couldn't get in the sub anyhow because they couldn't retrieve it because this this was over off the atlantic in the atlantic when that happened so you know that's a scary thing because I was on patrol when that boat went down. And how did and you're the news? This other, oh, yeah, oh, how did yeah. the news come across? Okay, we we have a radio. Okay, yep. we can only receive on the radio. We can't transmit. Okay. So we have what they call a whip antenna. So it's a it's like a cable that just goes out and it floats along the surface with no bobber on anything. Mm. It just naturally does it. Yeah. And so that's how we received messages. You know, encrypted or even just weather, you yeah. know. I mean, you can take it from one spectrum to the other. And so that's how we'd receive. And then um, we could never go that. And then also our sonar was always passive, meaning only received noise. We didn't go active. The only time we would ever do that is when they push the button and say, okay, Launch. we're going to war. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so that's how that aspect worked also. So, so you but, didn't have any, like, you didn't, obviously, you weren't firing missiles anywhere because you were more of the Cold War side, not the Vietnam side. Correct. Got it. What was, do you remember the moment when the news came through that a sub went down? I was on watch. So you heard it all. Yeah. So, so the OD. Were you driving at that moment? Yeah. And what was, like, your, you know, your colleagues around you like what was the mood everybody looking at each other like what can you describe that moment? well everybody was down you know because yeah. we know it can happen to any of us right you know we're i mean we're just out there yeah and most people don't know where we're at right we hope yeah right because <laughs> if they did that would be a problem yeah. we could yeah. be gone so right. what i heard what i heard it was uh there was a, a new guy on that boat he was looking for a way out. <laughs> he found it. He's been thinking about that joke the whole time. Yeah, I know. He's waiting to insert it in. He found it. So only one moment that you can remember of, like, high stress or... Uh, yeah, I, I really was pretty comfortable. I mean, the stress, obviously, was the first time. First time you go down, okay. you know, and, and you're going, God, 
is this going to be like this all the time? You know, you, you get those kind of thoughts, you know, because you, all of a sudden you're getting crazy. quick, yeah. you're getting quick pressure put on yourself. And, and, you know, all these, everybody's got to report back to the OD and, you know, each compartment, you so know, passing A-OK. time, like what, what, what do you do? Yeah. Pass time. Right. Okay. Past time one, I had to qualify. That was the key thing. So, so the first two patrols, when I wasn't doing mess, cause I, I didn't tell you I did mess duty. Uh-huh. Did I say that? No. I went on board and they go, you're assigned to the mess crew because there's only one guy junior to you. I said, okay, what do I have to do? He says, for the rest of this patrol, you're going to be on mess duty. And I thought, I joined this for to be on mess duty? Mess duty means cooking, cleaning. You're helping the cook. We had, okay. we had actual cooks. I I'm mean, sure. good cooks. Yeah. yeah. But you're cleaning, you're prepping. Yeah. You know, you, you get up. And maybe 14 hours later, you get to go to bed. Mm. And then after that, I'm supposed to start qualifying. Studying. Well, man, you, you don't have the drive. It's hard to yeah. get the drive. But the drive is. I don't want to do this anymore. To be well, proud yeah, yeah. and get those dolphins. Yeah, otherwise you come up. You know, then you're gone. Another, you another big thing for the fire department, obviously cooking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, and getting along. I didn't get in trouble. You know, I never went to the brig or anything like that. I'll tell you a little story, though. Before I went active, um, I was stationed in Long Beach waiting for my orders. So a buddy of mine, Bill Giannis, he was in the sub-reserves, too. Um, he says, Paul, we're going to go get on this funeral detail because we were doing mess duty there while we were waiting. And so we volunteered for this um, funeral detail. So we're going out, and we got these uh, 1918 Springfield rifles they were going to fire volleys with, you know, blanks. So we're at this one funeral, and and we 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 go to fire the volleys, and Bill's rifle jams. So you're just taught to go through the motions, you know. Well, Bill had a bad habit of starting to laugh. Oh no! Which is how disgrace is that? Yes. yes. So moment. so anyhow, I always handed my weapon off to him because I had to fold the flag. Me and another guy folded the flag, and then I was the presenter. Well, as I'm presenting this flag to the widow, a round goes off over at the station wagon, our station wagon. They didn't clear it. They tried to fire it again. And it's, I'm going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to apologize, say the right things to this yeah. widow, you know, who's upset. And so by the time we got back to Long Beach, our Terminal Island base there, they were waiting for us. Oh, shit. Shore Patrol was waiting for us when we got there. And I, I said to Bill, I said, I haven't even got on a submarine yet. You're going to be putting me in the brig. Mm-hmm. So they, they had us all line up out there. There were seven of us. And we had to stay out there for an hour while the, we had a E4. So E's just go up the ranks from one all the way up. And so they took him into the office and reamed him a little bit. And then they came out and... And then finally gave it and said we were okay. And they said, make sure you suit up because we got another funeral tomorrow. Shit. So, yeah. But that was a. So Bill didn't have to do funeral duty anymore. Oh, yeah, he did. He was oh, right really? there with me. But you better not laugh any, again. Kind oh, of thing. that's what I said to him. I said, we're not going to get a second chance. Mm-hmm. We, had, we just had it as far as I was concerned. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, I, I got us off track there. Yeah, so I guess the thing was, like, what did you do? Okay, let's say after you got your um, qualifications, like uh-huh. what was 
re recreation? Like, how did you like burn off steam? You know. Well, we, we would uh, we had movie nights. We had a different movie every night. In fact, they would take me off. This was the start of me making popcorn in my career. They would take me off watch. They'd Makes come up and relieve me. Take, I'd go down to the galley and make popcorn for the movie. Okay. And then I'd go back up and finish my watch. Do you remember what the movies were? Uh, at the time, they were, uh, you know, one of them, I forget what one of them, a few westerns and, you know, just stuff for guys. You know, yeah. not, not, John Wayne not, type porno, stuff. not porno stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah. John Wayne and... Yeah. Uh, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so movies. What else? What else? I mean, was there card a workout games. room? We had card games. If you worked out, you had to be so quiet. We had to wear soft shoes all the time. Oh. We didn't wear a uniform when we were out on patrol. We wore coveralls. We called them poopy suits. Quiet for what reason? Noise. So we even had, we walking have to keep, yes. around a submarine. If you had leather shoes on, you imagine what that's like on a hard deck walking yeah. around. So okay. it's loud. But People like, can hear that on their other They side. can hear it through, yes. And you were listening oh. for that on other, like, enemy subs or stuff like that. Correct. That and the screw, obviously, because the yeah. different screws told what kind of vessel it was. Mm. And these guys were sure. There were signature, signature yes. noises. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. Now, did you... Okay, so going back. Working out, you had to be quiet. I mean, mm -hmm. card games. Gosh, man. Two months. Was it two months? Sixty days. Sixty plus days. Yeah. Yeah. Of being quiet. Like, how did that mess with your psyche? Was there like a somebody you could talk to, like a psychiatrist on board to keep no, you guys you, all straight? You just, you just cut it back. You know, you didn't talk loud, and and everybody got Knew wind the deal. of it. Everybody got in on it, and that's what you had to do because, you know, it's your life. Yes. If we're found out there, you know, mm -hmm. and that'd be a big boom if that thing got hit. Right. So, uh, yeah. Big boom because nuclear and all, all the bombs, too. Yeah. You got all those, tor you had nuclear torpe torpedoes and we had the missiles oh, shit. with Jeez, split warheads. They went three different directions. Huh. Pretty awesome, huh? Oh, dude. Yeah. That's, that's crazy stuff. So you, you're getting to the end. Did you spend how many years in there? Four years, just like normal kind of thing? I spent two years on the sub, but my whole. Obligation was six years reserve. Program. Okay, so what did you do outside of submarine? After I got back, I I, um, I had got started with the post office before I went active. Okay. So I wasn't even six months, but they had to hold my spot for me. So when I came back, I went back, got my own route. And in fact, uh, Sharon Tate's parents lived on my route. So you wait remember a the tape? Yeah, the murders. Mm -hmm. So wait a minute. Post office, just regular post office or just on the base? Oh, I thought you were talking about after my career. No, 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 no. Like you were two years underwater. Yeah. And then, then it's you were just there for reserve meetings. It's just reserve meetings and stuff like that. Okay, so once a month? Yeah. Okay. And oh. you have to do a two-week summer camp. Got it. Okay, okay, okay. They okay. want to keep, you know, in case the big call comes up, you're ready right. to go. Yeah, okay. All right, so post office. You hadn't made it to the fire department yet. No. -uh. How did you make that transition? From post office to fire, fire department? department? Yeah. I couldn't run fast enough. So was it a year? Was it two years? Um, I got out. I got on the job in 73. 
so um, I had just gotten out of the reserves not too long and then uh, so obviously I was working at the post office and then I got the call to how, how hard was it back then to get on yeah. you had your AS in fire science I imagine a lot of guys didn't do that back then no a lot of them didn't and and um, but um, repeat the question again how hard was it to get on back okay then? so when I took the written exam I had to go to Hollywood High School that's where the writtens were always given there were 10,000 guys took the exam. Holy shit, even 10, back then. 10,000. 250 were on. They only took 250 off that out of those 10,000. Now, were the benefits as good then as they are now, retirement-wise, no. blah, blah, blah? When I, when I joined, it was 30-70. So 30 years, you got 70%. Okay. Now, now it's, it's 33-90. Right. And, um, and then... Um, which is much better, and then obviously we're getting a lot more pay. My my first paycheck was eight hundred and eighty bucks for a month. <laughs> yeah, I mean different times though. I mean a car right. cost exactly a dollar was bucks. worth a dollar. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So being that your dad and your and your grandpa were on that same same LA City Fire Department, did that help you at all? I'm sure it did. Some. Yeah. You know, but my grandfather's last name was different. It was on my mother's side. But my dad, obviously, was me. Yeah. And my dad, he worked for the, he worked with the union a lot. So there were guys that liked him and guys that didn't like him because he, he spoke his mind. So. Which is a good thing. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm all for it. Yeah. Hmm. So you get on with the fire department. You get through your rookie year. Mm-hmm. You start, you didn't start as an AO. Oh, you no. had to work your way up. I was a fireman. Fireman for a while. Did you do engineer? Nope. I didn't. I had no desire to be an engineer. My anybody can put water on the hot stuff. Yeah. On the truck, you got to think. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I've got a buddy who's AO. Actually, oh, he's he trying to promote right now, but he's AO. City, I think right? at the moment. Oh, you have to be LA City. We're the only AOs. Oh, really? Okay. Most yeah. of them are just called like Jeff, my, our son-in-law. He's an engineer with Long Beach, but he drives either one. He's on the boat. But he, he can he drive a rig, too. Yeah, no, I know. Because they're so short-handed there. He gets mandatory probably once a week. That's how short-handed they are. So nobody wants to work. You're, you're a rookie. You finally get on the, the rig that you want. You kind of have your dream job as AO, I'm assuming, at that point. Right? Yeah, once, once I, got, I got promoted in 79, so it was six years before. Because I was eligible to take the first exam. But I didn't think I had my feet on the ground well enough yet. I didn't want to embarrass anybody. That was my thought process. Yeah. I want to learn more. And I was at a station with one of the best captains we ever had on our job. Okay. That I could just be a sponge. He and knew everything and you needed to learn it. I needed to learn it and be confident with yeah. it. You know, it's one thing to learn something, but if you can't use it yeah. to your benefit, what good is it? You know? Right. And to say, you know, to pray. You know, if we're a crew right here, I'm looking out for all you guys. Right, and vice versa, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Right. So you, you retired out as an AO? Yeah. 29 you, years. You didn't, 20. Want, you didn't want to go up to captain? Nope. I did not want that <laughs> headache. Even for a year? Because you could, do, you could have done captain for a year, and then that would have been your whole retirement at that level, wouldn't it? Could have been. Yeah. But the other thing you have to remember, when you get promoted, you go where they want you to go. Right. He was at a good station for most of the I grew career, up yeah. in that area at the station that I retired at. And out you of. wanted to stay there. Well, and I was comfortable, and it, 
I mean, my dad had passed by then, but that was the reason I first went down to that station because my dad wasn't doing well, and he was only five minutes from that station. Okay. So, and I, and the skipper I was going to work for, I went to school with. So he knew who my dad was, and I said, hey, if I, he goes, you grab a radio, you grab that plug buggy, and you go. Mm. And, and it was only cool. a couple miles from our house, so my mom would take me and Brooke over there every night that he would be working just to shoot basketball. He'd always be making his popcorn, <laughs> so we always knew to go there after dinner, ice cream. you know? Ice cream. I always had ice cream. So, yeah. So what, what, you guys moved to Canyon Lake when? 87. And why? Uh, it was time to get out. There was an incident at his school. No. There, there was go. an incident at Narbonne. I was at Fleming. I hadn't got to Narbonne. The next year, I was going to be going to that school, okay. and you guys said, nah, this is enough. So Mom, Mom had had it. How did yeah. you find Canyon Lake? Um, Ron Berry. Do you know that name? Ron and Amanda. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he worked at the same station I did, and he said, Paul, you got to come out to Canyon Lake and see it. You know, and I said, well, where's that? You know, I was still under the, but right before that, I was still under the aspect my kids are going to go to the same school I did, mm -hmm. you know, you know, that thought yeah. process. And then when things went left, then we started looking and then we went out and surely really liked the area. And sure. And, uh, I mean, it was a lot better than it is now. I know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then that's, then they met like the old Gormans and. You know, all of them, and then Hortons, and so then that's what got well, us into having Ron build our houses. Yeah. You know, he built our there. first two houses. Yeah, good guy. Too bad he's gone. Yep. So going back to the fire department real quick. All right. Um, I asked about you know stressful situations on the sub, like uh, what were some like in the fire department, like holy shit moments? Because I'm sure there was a few of them. Well, yeah. the riots, right? The riots. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> well, what was that like? I mean, all of a sudden... It was great because I had a guy with a submachine gun sitting right next to me. Really? Right on the rig. The captain sat back. He sat up in the captain's seat. And, and this, this was so National Guard this? or something this like that? Who was with you? This is the walk It was LAPD. Right? Yeah. Oh, that I 92. Had. We had LAPD. Okay. But I'm not... National Guard were there also. But I'm just yeah. saying what was on my rig. And we didn't have the problem down towards the harbor. But the thing is, when, when the shit goes down, if they need help... They're pulling people. Yes, from everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, so my task, task force is a truck, an engine, a pump, and a rescue. Well, they might take the truck with the pump. That way we've got water if we had to fight a fire because I don't have any water on my rig. Right. So, um, so they call that a light force. And so we would just, you, hey, you're going to 64s. And I went, oh, man, that's right in the heart of it. Mm. You know, so, but we did. You know, you did it. I, yeah, we had a. I had one buddy of mine. He got a, an AO, got shot right here in the neck. Ooh, didn't kill him. Okay, survived it. But he had to quit the job because they couldn't remove the. At the time, I don't know if they ever did. Yeah. But at the time, they couldn't. Rem, they couldn't remove the lead. Really? Because of where it was associated, I think. Like with his spine or something like that would have. I, I don't. I honest, I don't remember for sure. Right. But right. I know that that's why. He got forced to leave the job. That so was that, that was a holy shit. Like, did you ever feel like that you were in danger getting shot? I mean, bullets whizzing well, by? Well, you, or... you had to be, yeah, you had to be smart about it. And, yeah, I mean, it's going by, and you just hope it's not your turn. But, right. man, we're in yellow. You know, if we got our turnouts on and our helmet, mm, yeah, we target. stick out like a 
you know. Right. You're not blending in. What what started the Watt right? The Watts right. Rodney King. Rodney King verdict. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So what what was riots before that? Before that? Sixty six. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's was was summer of sixty five. Or Watts my, Watt, both of them were Watts riots. That's yeah, when my yeah. dad my dad had to go to that. This wasn't Rodney King, that was the LA riots was Rodney King. Same, but it's the Watts riot was in the sixties. Right. No, but I was saying it was in Watts yeah. area though too. So like, like that was the, the Denny thing, Denny. wasn't it? With well, the, well, he the got truck. beat up, yeah, Florence and Normandy. That was Reginald Denny. Yeah, yeah. That was at the same one we're talking about here. No, you're, that's the original one. No, 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 no. no that's the second. Yeah, Reginald Denny's Rodney with Rodney King. Yeah. So as AO, were you ever like on the roof of a fire, or did you stay with the truck all the time? Because your job is to take care of the truck, right? No. Oh no. Oh, it gets okay. better. No, when when I get to the scene. I either decide whether I need the aerial or not, okay. or if we're going to do things with, with ground ladders. Because if we've got a structure fire going and I, and I see it and I can see where it's venting in the, in the roof area, yeah. then that's telling me that it's starting to get into the attic area. Okay? And that's what I have to do is to go up and make a chimney. So you're on, the, can, roo- you're on the roof a lot with the chainsaw? Without supervision. Okay. Me and you. Right. Yeah. So uh, you were the cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why you liked it? I loved it because nobody yeah. messed with me. And I felt the reason I really liked it is I was comfortable doing it. Uh-huh. I know there's risk. I've stepped through a roof. Uh-huh. Not all the way, but I straddled a rafter. Okay. That doesn't feel good. Right. Well, I can't the, imagine. Yeah. Fortunately, there's a rafter there. Not just the yeah. heat. But yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you'd yeah. be dead probably. So. Well, you try and hit them when you're walking up there, but, you know... There's times when you're on a roof when you can't even see the roof. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's a damp night, now all the smoke just lays down on you. Yeah. It's a fog on you, you know, and that makes it tough. And then you have to be careful. Of, like north-facing uh, roofs, you've seen them, they grow grass. Now that becomes a slide for us. Right. We try to stay off of those things. Right. But if, if that's if where the go, fire is, you gotta go. I got to go and do it there. I don't want to cut a hole on the other side. Now I'm drawing the fire more yeah we're trying to simplify things right yeah right yeah it's uh, my buddy who's la city ao he's struggling with promoting like he wants the retirement money sure but he loves the job oh, he loves it it's the best job on the job is that right I, I was told that when i went for it and guys were saying that's the best job paul i said you don't have to tell me twice because i like it yeah and I like the responsibility. I love driving the rig. You know, I love having, okay, I'm putting the aerial over here. And I wouldn't even, I mean, the last captain I worked for, he and I went to school together. That was another guy that I went to school with. And he, and he, Jack wouldn't even come to the roof most of the time. You know, it would just be me and say you. Mm-hmm. And we're up there doing it. If it's a commercial, then we take everybody. And it's up to the engine guys to do the interior work other than, Forcible entry. <clears throat> you know, say the place is all locked up, but it's burning. We got to get in. So the in, they call him an inside guy off my rig, grabs, a say, a rotary saw mm-hmm. or whatever he needs right. to, for that particular opening, you right. know, which dictates what you're going to use for a tool. And we got almost everything. I mean, jaws were amazing when they came out. That really helped us a lot because us trying to get people out of cars and stuff was mm-hmm. You know, and we were using rotary saws, and that's not too smart because if right. you got Gasoline. fuel yep. and you got those vapors, you could have a problem. So, right. 
Yeah. It yeah, was... for sure. So how many guys on a truck? Um, five. So you have you that's driving, you got the tiller guy, uh-huh. and then three more just so helpers. A captain. 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 Okay. A senior captain rides with me. Shotgun. Right. And then two firemen behind me. One of them's inside guy. The other mm-hmm. guy's the roof guy. Okay. And then the tillerman, he's in charge of utilities. So he goes around first. Kills he stays with the truck. No. Oh. And when we're he, in an incident, that, that gas truck down can and be, water down, all that the, stuff. That it can truck, be naked. Huh? Oh, a truck's naked at times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Is but there that, any functionality to the truck other than carrying men gear and the ladder? Like once it gets to a thing, a like, it's a tool crib. Okay, yeah. Okay. It's not like a, um, an engine that has a tank, right. has a pump, right. all that kind of stuff. It's more... I got uh, a two-and-a-half-gallon water extinguisher is the only water I had on my rig. Or, <laughs> the, ra- or the radiator. <laughs> and what's that for? I mean, I mean, Well, just small little rubbish or something like that you okay. can squirt on. And we use a, a chemical in it. It's called wet water. And it's, uh, it's nothing more than a high detergent. Yeah. But the high detergent penetrates stuff so we would take it inside we would later on they were able to introduce it into our lines so if you had an inch and a half line and fighting a fire then we could run it through this uh, mechanism that mixed it and then it went through the line and then we could squirt down the whole inside of this thing and it cut down on what we called rekindles mm-hmm. that's the ultimate embarrassment to a fireman putting it out and have it light and up then again two hours later you get the call back to the same oh, place. Yeah. That ain't fun. Right. That's yeah. when you hope you're on another call. That's when the rest of the guys are <laughs> that's when the rest of the guys are talking shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The neighbor companies, they like that stuff. Yeah. We used to cut each other off, stuff like that when I was in Watts. I'd know it was in, I was at six six. So tra- three three, that was supposedly Fire City. They they uh they made the self named themselves. So anyhow, we'd get a run, and I knew the guys were at that station also. So, I mean, we'd be busting for an intersection, and if I could cut them off, <laughs> I would. Yeah. Until the chief finally said, "Hey guys, that's enough. Somebody's going to get hurt." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now I'm sure there was, you know, uh, overtime and this and that. You cover other stations. Uh-huh. Um, with the rivalry, kind of competitiveness, the guys are subject to you know since the beginning of time you know the shit talking if was there was it hardcore going to another station or was it still brothers no matter where you went when the bell rang you're brothers we're brothers yeah but in between yeah there was trash talking (laughs) yeah i mean that's what guys that's a polite way of saying it yeah that's what just guys do you know for sure exactly and that's what makes it fun and yeah it was a fraternity yeah until things changed. Right. And that really changed it. Yeah. So we had to zip it, you know, in yeah. other words. But some guys still, well, they can't tell me what. I said, yeah, they can. Because mm-hmm. now they're going to come after you personally. And they can come out and take your house away from you or whatever. It's that bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Guys would still buck it, you know. And I was as old core as old school as there was, I think, when I was on the job. And But I learned from some good guys that were acid tongues, too. So we could just... Fire yeah. it out, you know, all the time. That's kind of where I got a lot of my sarcasm. That's a new band name, Acid Tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Absolutely. How many uh, how many guys do you keep in talk in touch with now? Uh, well, there's uh, some guys out here at the lake, and um, mm. another guy in Temecula, captain that are retired. 
as well. Uh, the guy in Temecula is still working. Well, Lee Westfall's one. His dad. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's a boat captain. guy. He's a captain. Lee Westfall's dad wasn't a boat guy? I yes, he was. He was. Ron was. Oh, I'm sorry. His I thought you were yeah. talking about Lee. Right. That's his stepdad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ron I mean, and I went to high school together. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Now, did he know your dad? Who? Ron. Lee's stepdad. My dad influenced Ron to get on the job. Okay. Wow. Dude, I can't wait to have Lee on because some of these stories are going to tie together for sure. Yeah, totally. Oh, hopefully, yeah. Well, Lee and I get along real well. Yeah, Lee's all right. He's a good kid. No, I'm kidding. I mean, (laughs) he's great. He he came and lived with us for how many months? I forget. His first year... um, because they couldn't get out to Canyon Lake. They didn't have a house. And they wanted him to start high school with, you know, your same grade as, as uh, Craig. So they wanted him to start high school at ninth grade and not miss another year and then start it in 10th. So I was in 10th mm. grade at the time. So he came out and lived with us for a school year. Yeah. 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 He just they slept asked on the couch. And I said, yeah, bring him out. Because I knew I wouldn't have any trouble with Lee. I had nah. coached him in Little League when we still lived back in the town. Yeah. I've known him since he was like yeah. three years old. So. He's, he's always respected me. So I, not like you guys, but. He does. <laughs> Always respected you. Clean. This guy was immaculate. Yeah. When you love shit, unimmaculate. You heard it. Dude, he's washing the car like every day. His boat. Mm. His, his boat, boat too. Yeah. Man. That's yeah. a fireman thing yeah. because yeah. it is. I, like I said, my AO buddy, all his vehicles are pristine. <clears throat> you know, that rig has to be freaking shiny all the time. And I, it carries over into your personal yeah. life yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, mm. it's, it's, and his garage. Is you know mine would be fine if my wife didn't dump everything in it she yeah. doesn't want. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, your garage was immaculate. Yeah. Well, it was nice. I had a three car garage yeah. then. Remember? Yeah. The boat slipped all the way Getting back your in. Boat up that driveway. Like, oh, what? We'd only get so far, and then we always had to hand push it in. Yeah. Well, you'd get it. I'd get it cornered yeah. around, but then to get it in, we had to shift it. Yeah. So ha- can... how about how about hazing stories? <laughs> oh yeah. Because that. that has gone by the wayside. Well, it's yeah. gone now. They yeah, can't yeah. do it. Right. It's not this anymore. Well, how about right. this? Tell, tell me some of the stories, and then tell me when it, when it stopped and why. <laughs> I think I know why. But what was, like, the, the catalyst where it all ended? That was, like, the dog food one, right? Uh, that was, yeah, that was after I got off the job when oh. he finally got. But I knew about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I had worked overtime at that station, and I knew about this guy. Yeah. He's, he was trouble. Yeah. Because he used to roll those turds, and then it got rolled back on him, yeah. and he flipped and got paid Play, million. Played the race card. Play, I think he got $2 million out of the thing. Don't quote me on that. I won't. I, I know it was over a million, <laughs> Yeah, and it was wrong. It was wrong for him, because that was what you guys did. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard some stories from my dad that he just he used to go, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit you wouldn't even think about, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah, so you, you have any fun stories about stupid shit you guys used to do? <laughs> well, well what, we, what, obviously what, the bucketing and Yeah, I was saying the bucket stuff, of water, so, that's everywhere. What's yeah. that? They, like rookies typically, if, correct me if I'm wrong, rookies typically if they're walking outside the front bay or something, there'll be guys up on top with a bucket oh, of water. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how about, let's back up to Chad. So what stories do you want to hear yeah, from Yeah, I want to know this. Yeah. What um, do you remember from your dad this, like, being okay, gone so, or... Or coming so home I would have been off or something. Thirteen, and uh, <clears throat> you heard through the news or whatever that there was a big giant uh, skyriser in flames at the bottom of the you know whatever amount floors I don't remember twelve, 12 floor thirteen or and fourteen. Okay, so twelve, thirteen, fourteen. <clears throat> it's got sixty-five stories in it. 
First interstate fire. Yeah, first interstate bank fire. And so Career I'll let my dad fire. tell the story. But no, no, no. I want to hear your per- perspective. Like, where were you? Did you see your dad on the news? Like, yeah. How, well, I didn't see no. him on the news because I didn't know what was going on. I, I may have said I was rigged. I don't remember at the time. It was in the but, middle of the night, in here. Yeah. Oh. Um, and you just knew that, like, all hands on deck. Like, they're all going there because if that thing goes, who knows what other destruction it does to other, you know, buildings around. Um, so knowing that my dad was pretty much there, because my mom probably called the fire station and there was no answer. So, you know, okay, he's moved up. He's, well, if he's not there, he's anyhow. moved up yet, you know. But, I mean, I don't remember how many stations were there, but, it, I mean, it was a big deal. Well, you that, know? as an AO, just, there's no roof. You're, 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 now you're interior. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. My rig, I didn't even take my rig to the fire. It was in what we call staging. So that's where, when we came from Harbor City, which is just north of Pedro, and, and drove, I drove us downtown, went to staging, and we're sitting, we're in charge of staging when we get there. And then all of a sudden we get a call that um, we know there's one victim in an elevator. Not and, a fireman, a victim. No, a victim. And this was after hours, so fortunately the people who worked in that building were not in the building. These were cleanup crews oh. and stuff like that. And a lot of non-English speaking people, I'll put it that way. Um, so anyhow, we get the call and they, um, they said, we're gonna bring a bird in because the Brinks elevator company sent two representatives because they were gonna go up, override the, the mechanism so that we could move the car because the car was on a fire floor. Because they had those, remember those old buttons that just need heat? You don't even have, you, you get your thumb close to them and they light up, you know. So anyhow, what happened is, is he went in the car and to try to escape and the heat fired Took that, him to that, floor. that button, opened the doors, boom, he's dead. Oh, shit. So now we're trying to recover. It's a body recovery. We, we know that. So that's why um, they sent Brinks and then... Back then, other than captains and above, I was the only one that carried a radio, my rank. Firemen didn't have radios back then. <clears throat> Engineers didn't even have radios. And so they assigned me, and I took one other guy. Mike Meadows was his name. And he was fluent in Spanish. He had a, uh, what do you call it, business that he did on, this, on his days off. Uh, anyhow, I'll get back to it, doesn't matter. So Mike and I, we fly to the roof, land with these two guys. We get on the roof, and there's a captain up there from Air Ops. So he's, in, he's supporting the helicopters when they bring supplies in and stuff like that. So he's in charge of the roof at the time. And it's just a flat superstructure. So it's a 63-story building with two superstructure levels above that. So we're landing on metal, say, to make it easier and then there's a stairwell to go down so when we get to the roof uh pat quinn was the captain he says paul i'll take the guys over there you stay here with the breathing apparatus we were changing bottles stuff like that but we weren't fighting fire from above all the firefighting was still but you got there from a helicopter yeah Yeah. on a burning building (laughs) with nothing to fight fire with so you drove your rig to the scene where did the helicopter pick you up at that staging area Oh. They, we had a big parking lot that we found. Right. Able, you know, obviously there weren't as many buildings back then downtown. So, yeah, I just took everything that I thought I needed and 
um, got on the roof and we weren't up there 10 minutes and two guys came out the penthouse door. So you understand what a penthouse door is? That's the roof access off the stairwell. Okay, yeah. And normally there's only one. Okay. So these two guys come out. One's a captain and one's an engineer. And I go, Cap, where's your other two guys? And he goes, what? They're down on 50. And I go, what? He goes, yeah, a guy had problems. And, and I'm going, you know, it didn't set well with me. But um, anyhow, Mike and I. Wait, wait, back up. So okay. it didn't sit well because they shouldn't have left them. Right. Okay. All right. Exactly. You take care of your crew. <clears throat> so anyhow, Mike and I, we uh, each grabbed a breathing apparatus and an extra face piece because we didn't know what we were going to find with these other two guys. Hopefully they were alive. I mean, I didn't know that. There was no way to communicate with them because they didn't have radios. So these guys that came up, they were in fear for their lives, so they bailed. Well, you I don't didn't want ask to say him that. that, but yeah, it didn't look good. Right. Okay. So we get down and we find these two guys. They had popped a window, fortunately, and they were getting fresh air. And the one one guy who said he had trouble with his breathing apparatus, he um, he had had the flu prior, and they said he had a relapse of it, so he wasn't feeling good. And he goes, "My breather doesn't work." And I said, well, "Give me it." So I went through, you know, the test things that you do. And I said, this thing's working fine. you got 1,500 pounds in here. Get this thing on and get your ass out of here now. And then, so the two of them take off. Mike and I are right there. And I report in. And the bad thing back then is we didn't have a lot of frequencies either. So when you got an opening on the radio, you took it. Because if you hesitated, you were covered by something else, you know. So I would, instead of talking this way with my mask on, I would pull it aside and talk. And uh, so I did that to get through. And I said, yeah, we're, two guys are coming up through the penthouse door. And then right after that, um, Seastad, he's an uh, operator of the helicopter, he calls me and he goes, A.O. Hilzer, where are you at? And I told him, and he goes, I just spotted a guy at the window on, I think it was 49. And you were where? 50. Okay. So, but we're still that many floors below. We walked the stairwell to get to that point. And so um, I said, okay. And it's pitch black in there, too, because the power's all been cut. Oh, is there smoke? No, it's CO, though. The CO is, that's why what was bad about me pulling my mask all the time. But I had to get the word out. That was, that's how I felt about it, anyhow. So we got to 49, and when we got to 49, I mean, it's a, it's, you take this building here and times six or whatever, that's the area that we had to cover. And there are all these little vestibule areas, you know, for little offices or Cubicles, whatever they were yeah. doing on that, on that floor. So I told Mike, I said, you go, you go off to the right, I'm going to go to the left. Because we don't know where north, south, east, and west is now because it's black. Yeah. And uh, so... And you don't have lights on you, nothing, no flashlights, no nothing. Oh, I have a flashlight, yeah. <clears throat> And I carry one, you know, in my hand. We didn't, back then, we didn't have helmet lights and stuff like that. That would have been nice. Um, so anyhow, we went around, and I finally spotted the light coming in because the drapes were, whoops, the drapes were drawn. And, but I could see the sun ray coming in from the helicopter. And uh, so I reported back to him, and I said, I think I spot your light. I said, I'm going to come to the window. And, open these drapes and before I could open the drapes here was this guy laying on the ground 
on the floor, rigid from here down. Mm. That's how much CO he had in him. And, uh, and a non-English speaking person. So I told Mike, I said, Mike, you gotta, you gotta encourage this guy to take this face piece. Now with somebody that's starving for air, you're gonna put something over their face. And especially somebody that doesn't understand English. It was a tough thing. So anyhow, we got him to do it. Um, one guy carried the bottle. The other guy put him in a fireman's carry, and we started walking. Ugh. So we did it a story at a time. Then Mike, say Mike would take over, and we'd reverse position. So we got, we got almost to the roof, and then the rest of our company showed up. You know, and uh, <clears throat> this was kind of a funny thing, too. You know, I'm already exhausted, and... and Bill Tannehill was the skipper then. We used to call him Dad. And uh, he says, Paul, you bring up the rear, all right? And I said, oh, okay. And so I followed everybody out to make sure nobody got left behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So, And we got him to the roof, and the air lifted him off. And uh, then, you know, the sh by then it's like 6.30 in the morning. And we go back to quarters because we finally got the fire knocked down. I mean, it's not, there's still spot things, but not raging like it. I mean, it lapped three floors. It was, if you ever find pictures on it, man, it's unbelievable. And uh, so I'm off the next day. The following day, we, as soon as we get to work, we're dispatched to overhaul at the first interstate fire. We're going back. Uh, fuck. I don't want to go back, <laughs> you know. So anyhow, we're in there and we're overhauling, and overhauling is going in and taking metal and put it over here, combustibles you put over here, stuff we're trying to salvage you put over here. So we keep things separated, and and that's how you control, rekindle like I talked to you about before. And so we're there on the overhaul, and it's I don't I don't it was still in the morning, and um. um Battalion 1, who was in charge of the overhaul, that's Battalion 1's area, they, uh, I get a call on the radio. A.O. Hilzer, come to the command post. And I'm going, what's going on? I know I didn't do it. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I know I didn't do anything wrong. So I go down, and um, the chief that day is Don Kate. He was a, a captain when I went through the drill tower. So I've known him forever peach of a guy he's he still does volunteer work for the fire department he's probably 10 years older than me so anyhow he goes don't look right now but if you look over my right shoulder there's a family behind the barrier it's the family of the guy you saved the other night they want to talk to you and i said don i don't want to do it <laughs> i don't need to because i know what's going to happen mm -hmm. i'm going to come unglued not bad but i'm right. just going to my yeah. emotions are going to take over. Absolutely. So I went over and talked to them, and, you know, they all wanted to hug me. And I said, I want to hug you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah. I'm just doing my job, you yeah. know, I'm doing what people pay me to do, and I enjoy doing it. Yeah. That, that was, I mean, I was very fortunate to have a job like that. Yeah. Believe me. Well, in that moment, like when I talked about, like, sketchy situations or whatever, the first thing that came to your mind was the riots. Like, Dude, that sounds like that would be the first thing on my mind is going into this burning building. There's no oxygen. You know you got to pull guys out of there. You got to walk, you know, I don't know how many flights of stairs with a 
with a, a non-responsive body on your shoulder. 15, like your legs are on fire. Yeah. You don't know when the when or if this building's going to collapse. Like, dude. <laughs> like, gnarly. that would be a gnarly, freaking stressful situation. To be honest with you, when I was flying in on the bird and yeah. looking at that building. And this is dark, too, by the way. Burning, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, obvious where the fire's at. Yep. And now we're coming in on this postage <laughs> stamp pad yeah. with a helicopter. And all I've got is breathing apparatus. I have nothing to fight fire with. No tools whatsoever. I had my axe. Okay. Truckman always has his axe. Okay, all right. Ask your buddy about that. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Um, and you don't give it up to anybody. Even today, with all the modern that tools? That is a no-no. Like, oh, air, a, a Truckman always has his axe. Okay, all right. It comes on a belt, so it's not... Yeah. You just got to worry about it getting it's between like your legs, maybe? Carpenter's hammer. You always got it. <laughs> yeah, but with a long handle. Yeah, right, yeah. And the new handles don't break, so that's nice. Yeah, so that's, that's anyway, how... Anyway, you're, you're flying in... And uh-huh. you're like, oh, shit, a little bit of nervousness coming over you. Oh, yeah, but I knew because of my, I think, my time on the job, for one thing, and how I think I learned the job. I'm not patting myself on the back, yeah, but yeah. I was very comfortable at what I was doing with the job, and if I got put in a situation, I knew I could handle it. And mm-hmm. if not, um, you and I can make this happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. So back up to these two guys that, that, that came out early. Like, why? Why? I don't have the answer for you because I didn't really talk. As soon as he said I had two guys down there, we were gone. Hmm. So mm. you guys said, there's two guys down there. You guys said, okay, well, fuck it. We're going down. And you two can do what we were doing. That's so what they, I told that captain. They took over your job at that point. Yeah. Did you, did you leave by saying, you fucking pussy? <laughs> like, what the fuck were you yeah. thinking? No. no. And these two guys that came up were not from your station? No, 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 no. Just from a single engine somewhere. Never saw them again. So, I didn't know them. Right. Know? So, yeah. so, th- so there's a funny part to this now. Uh-oh. Is a couple years later, ABC made a movie, and I believe it's called The Towering Inferno. It went to the movies. So, no, it was on like, it was on the regular TV. I went to the premiere okay. in Hollywood. Okay, well, anyhow. With the movies, asshole. Yeah, so anyhow, <laughs> it's a movie about the first interstate bank fire. Okay. And a big portion of that is the helicopter going up and landing on the roof and showing the firefighters get out Whoa. and all that stuff. But here's the funny part. <laughs> What's the guy's name? All four of the people they used were none of the same nationalities as <laughs> the four that actually did the job. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. so. And there was a split tail there, too. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, old school. So the, so when we watched the movie, I'm just looking like, Dad, yeah. who are you, who's portraying you? <laughs> yeah, I won't even ask you about that on the air. So leave that one alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I, I, I said what I said. That was it. So yeah, gosh, man. So going so, back, going back to you though, Chad. Yeah. Like, um, was there ever a moment that you saw your mom worried about you know? Um, there was a dad being gone or like stressed or anything like that. No, because a lot of times, even if my dad was working and let's say I had little league practice or something, Mm. him and the guys on the way to the store would drive by the park and hang out for a bit. Okay. We were on the radio. So you you were the cool kid. Like your dad's Uh, showing up in the big fire truck. Yeah. And my dad coached me all those years. So, you know, he was well respected. Shoot, I went to little league games. I'd back the truck in parallel with the The, field and go out and coach the team with yeah. my radio on my hip. Mm. So, you know, growing up, I always looked up, obviously, to my dad. It's just great inspiration, and, you know, and he's got killer stories. But 
I'll never be able to live in those shoes. Like, there's just no... Eh, was know. there ever a moment that you wanted to be a fireman? Or thought, um, or thought that you should be a fireman? Kind of, probably kind of similar to what Craig went all... You're like, damn, this job ain't working. Damn, this job ain't working. Damn, this job... Well, can I get in fire department still? I tried, I tried, I tried. You know? Yeah. But the thing is, is and I got a lot of shit from, say, uh, younger guys on the job with my dad that I grew up... Because my dad would also play in the uh, men's softball Olympics. Mm-hmm. Firemen's Olympics. 20 years I did And that. so I always went there. And so I got to know, like, all these firefighters, you know. They, and some of them were, you know, obviously, you know, just starting out. Maybe in their early 20s where my dad's already been on for, you know, 14 years or whatever at the time. And so you start to kind of get a bond with all these guys and stuff. And so I always loved going to the fire station where my mom would take us um, for those, you know, to play basketball with the guys, do whatever, watch movies, you know. So it was always fun, you know, just um, – the one time I, I do remember, and I don't have it com- completely clear, my, my mom will probably remember it better, is she saw my dad. She was driving me, I don't know, Lamita from where Boulevard. to where. Lamita Boulevard. So, and she saw my dad. On a three-story house. Yeah. you know, And so she didn't want me seeing that in case something happened. And so she just kind of got right out of there. You she know? stopped for a while, she said. And then and spotted And she him. could see my silhouette up there and... And, and, knew it was her, and the fires job. blossomed through the hole I had cut. So we've done our job, but, I mean, it's kicking up there, and here I am three stories above, and finally the light, she said the light comes on and says, maybe I better take the kids home. Yeah. yeah. This isn't a good place for them. But in right. your mind, you're like, this is normal. Yeah. yeah. Right, but, well, you know, I, you, you know as she didn't want to see the building collapse and have or her me kids. fall in. Well, that, yeah. yeah, whatever the situation, yeah. they didn't, you know, she didn't want her kids to see it tragic so so we talk a lot about like, you know being parent to kids these days mm-hmm. and not to put you on the spot but i'm going to mm-hmm. <laughs> like what like so life lessons or examples that your dad set for you um like, like what makes you who you are i mean i consider myself a hard worker and, and i consider myself lazy as fuck i mean <laughs> seriously i mean it's where and maybe it's because maybe because my dad always did that stuff too. Even like when I was living in Canyon Lake with them or stuff, um, you know, he'd always like clean cars, obviously. And if a dirtier one is in his driveway, he's gonna fucking clean it. So he would clean it. And I it always people always wanted to come over to my house with a dirty car because my dad would be out there washing their damn car. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah. So um, my truck's in the yeah. street <laughs> where it belongs. <laughs> So, so obviously, I, I've learned to, to, to be a hard worker. I don't give up. I don't quit jobs. You know, I, I stick with things. You know, I write them out. You know, I write out my marriage, all that stuff. And I see that foundation from my parents who've been married over 50 years now that they set that example. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna be the same way, you know, as far as my marriage and all that stuff. And then teaching my kids the way I hope close to as good as my dad teaching me things growing up, you know. Uh, but my parents were always there. You know how we always kind of question, are we being good parents or are we mm-hmm. not being good parents? 100%. And then you look back and you go, you know what? My parent, I asked my parents, did you guys think that? And they go, yeah, we thought about it all the time. And I said, well, you know what? I, from a kid's point of view, seeing my parents got me everywhere I needed to go. They never, I didn't miss soccer practice. I didn't miss basketball practice. I didn't miss baseball practice. And I did all that shit. I mean, um, and so I think them setting that example is just kind of how I want my kids to be. But at the same time, I'm like, shit, I'm a bad dad right now. You know, I'm my kid's out there playing football by himself and I'm sitting on the fucking couch or whatever, you know? And it's like, 
I don't know. So waiting for grandpa to come over and play catch with <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, grandpa watch, pull up or watch his car for him. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. I mean, having having grandpa still around for that, it's pretty rad. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, and I and I was never really close to any of my grandparents. No. Um the closest one I was to is actually my mom's stepdad, and he turned into an asshole the last couple of years, and so I kind of disowned him in my mind. But oh, so um, he was probably the one I was closest to of the four, and he was the only one that wasn't blood. Um, I had you were fine with dad. No, I, no, I, I take that back. I was good. Mom I was around. good with my grandpa, my dad's dad, but I didn't get to have a really good relationship with him because she did not like my mom and my sister and me. She meaning my your grandma. grandma. Yeah, so she made us, yeah. I remember to, as a kid, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but she said some nasty stuff to my mom and me and Brooke outside of their house. And I was like, from that moment, on, I said, I will never fucking talk to that lady again or associate with her. Hmm. And I was young. I was probably like 11 years old or 10 years old or something, you know? Oh, wow. And, and I stuck through it and I know it was hard for my dad, but at the same time he treated, she treated my dad like, you know, shit too, treated my grandpa like shit. And so I never really got to have a really close relationship with my grandpa on that side. You know, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it did. But but that's what, but going back to what you're saying now is, he's involved with all the grandkids and yeah. the great grandkids. You know what I mean? Him and my mom are always doing something, whether it's with my kids here or with Brooks' kids or you know. So, uh, Paul, who, who, who's your favorite? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Brooke. Com- no comment. Right, I think that's Brooke. Well, you got a firefighter son out of it after all, anyhow. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. But um. Uh, Another good story, too, is um, 9-11. Well, 9-11 is oh, not yeah. a good story, but uh, 9-11 had hit. And my dad and mom are actually in Hawaii? Mammoth. Our anniversary is on the 12th. Okay, you were in Mammoth. So I, for some reason, I thought you guys were flown somewhere. But okay, so he's, they're in Mammoth. And the phone rings, and it's his captain going, hey, is Paul there? And I'm like, no, he's vacationing in, I yeah, guess, they, Mammoth. They knew I was on vacation. They just hoping I was home. But he... Uh, He's like, do you have any way you can get a hold of him? And I'm like, yeah. And we must have had the phone number, obviously, wherever they were staying. And I said, yeah. And, he, and I go, well, what's this pertain to? And he goes, I need to know if he's ready to, you know, to fly to 9-11 right now or f- fly to New York, ground zero, and help out, you know, because obviously they're down quite a few firefighters in that town, you know. And so I'm like, I don't need to get a hold of my dad. I'll just call him and let him know he's going there. Because I knew that my dad, I made the decision for my dad at that yeah. moment because I knew that my dad would not have turned that down, sure. you know. My mom probably was pissed off at me after she, she heard I did that. You know, she supported me when I, because I didn't ask her either. When, when I got a hold of you and, I, and you told me that you had told him that I would go, I said, yes, I will go. Yeah. And, and then we packed up and came home. And uh, you, can go, you can tell that story now because it's great. Was that too, on so. the 11th or was that on afterwards? That was the 12th. It had to be the 12th because that's 12th. his anniversary day. So. Yeah, oh, well. the 12th. Right, but you got the call on the twelfth. Like, hey, we um, need. We just lost a bunch of guys. We need guys. And you, yeah, like, you well, this was outside dispatch. This wasn't going to be a formal dispatch from L.A. City, because Los Angeles supposedly was the number two target. Mm. That's right. Okay. So our chief, the chief, said nobody's going anywhere. So when this happened, we had I hadn't got that word yet, and either had the department. So by the time we got home, they had nixied it. So we didn't get to go that day, but I think it was three or four days later, I was talking to a guy that um, I buddied with on the job forever, you know, and he's a captain there at Trey Trey. And I, he goes, Paul, his name's Paul also. In fact, Paul came on with me 
when he went through probation, they dumped him. He got through the program again and made it on the job and ended up being a captain too when he left. So anyhow, he said, I'm putting a Trey, Trey, Trey is going. And I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll start passing the word down here and we'll see if we can get this thing going. So I got a hold of my captain, the, the guy I'd gone to school with, and then we got five other guys. And we all, will you cover for me on so on? You know, because it's constant manning. Got to have somebody cover for you. So I, we all arranged time off, which costs us money. Mm -hmm. We got a hotel back there, $250 this a is night. on your own dime. Our own dime. And we got our own plane reservations because the city was not deploying. And um, so then we got we had to go into Newark, New Jersey. Well, you we had couldn't to fly to March, right? No, no. No, that's where the the other ones did. No, I, we flew straight out of the airport. Oh, okay. Um, but we had to go into Newark because nobody could go into New York. Everything right. was grounded still. So going into Newark, we... Now we're in Jersey, and we got to get over, you know, to the city. And we had five places we got stopped. We're in a van. We're all in uniform. None of us have civilian clothes. You know, we took our uniforms. We took our turnouts. And, you know, if we got other little tools that we think we should have, Axe. we threw them in our bag. <laughs> yeah, threw them in our bag, and, and it went with us. But we got pulled off the van five different times. Completely frisk, went through all our because they had to. You know, everybody. hundred percent. Yeah, everybody's I mean, back if, was to the wall then. If you know? you're if you're a terrorist at that time, what better that way would, to sneak and in? And there was word that some uniforms have been stolen back mm. in New York. Okay, yeah. I mean, we're wearing L.A. uniforms, but that doesn't mean it could have happened there. I mean, they had to cover everything. Yeah, which is, I guess, good that they no, did that. No, I'm not upset about it. I'm yeah, just of saying, of I'm just painting a picture for yep. you. Yep. What we had to go through to get there and going through the tunnel and getting on the other side and. Then we got <laughs> the name of the hotel was the Giraffe Hotel, Ritzy Hotel. But we got a bargain for two fifty a night. Huh. Oh boy! I think they ought to give that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, for what we went back there for. Yeah. And what happened back yeah. there? Yeah, like once you got there, you're in. We your got room. the room. We got organized, and we decide. Okay, we're gonna. We know where uh, Battalion One is. We couldn't get. We didn't know how we were going to be able to get the Ground Zero. But um, 1010, so engine 10, truck 10 is what that stands for. That's the stations directly across the street from the, the uh, Twin Towers. Twin Towers. And so um, we went to Battalion 1, 7 1. So um, Battalion was in there, and our, my captain's upstairs, and the other captain's up there. And I'm talking to uh, this lieutenant. That's from 1010. And, I mean, we're hitting it off like I hit it off with you guys. You know, we're just shooting the shit and yeah. talking. And there's nobody saying, ooh, you know. And he goes, hey, you want to go down to Ground Zero? And I go, yeah, can you get us there? He goes, well, we got this golf cart because that's all they had left. They had no rigs. Oh. Their rigs got buried, you know. And so we hopped on. He had, it was him and his, they call them chauffeurs back there, which is technically the same rank as ours. Mm. And, but they're not, they don't get paid extra. But they drive the same rig? Yeah. Okay. So, and a lot of their trucks back there are one piece. Mm. They don't have tillers. So anyhow, um, we're, uh, I don't want to lose my train of thought here. 
You're getting down there in golf cart. Yeah. So we're taking the ride down there. So we're, we're getting stopped. You got, okay, you got to get off here. They got to, you know, show your ID and all this. Stuff. So we finally get down to ground zero and we come into the backside of 1010. And he goes, you can't see anything from here, but I'm going to take you to the roof. So it's, it's a one, one story building, but with an elongated, like a tall section like this garages. And above that is a flat roof. On that roof, there was every technical thing you could think of that the military, you know, has for finding this. They're looking for heat. They're looking for noise. You know, where infrared can pull up a, a body somewhere, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. We're just hoping we can still. It was pretty much a body recovery by then in yeah. our minds. But mm-hmm. you don't want to say that to the media because you know how that is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah. You get- Real quick, you guys are riding in the golf cart. Yeah, the guys take just hey, two of us. Just two of us. Hey, you want to go down and check it out? But it was more like in your mind, you're going there to help. I'm assuming, or I but mean, this, this was at, this was at night too. So a lot of times at night, once we they got to the point of body recover, mm. there wasn't such a mass as there is during the daytime, mm-hmm. and it was raining at times when mm-hmm. we were back there. Which was a good thing because that knocked down all the crap. Dust. We didn't know what we were breathing back there. Yeah. So many guys have got respiratory problems. Oh, yeah. Bunch. Fortunately, our group didn't get it. You know, Mm -hmm. But we were wearing dust protectors. We were inside buildings cleaning them out so we could get storage and for supplies and stuff like that that we needed on scene. And we didn't wear any protective stuff, Mm. you know. But you would carry buckets, and it was just disintegrated. It just... I don't know, pretty much heavy dust is all it was mm-hmm. in there, you know. And going back to 1010, that that uh, lieutenant took me down to the office and he said, see all those wedding rings right there? And I go, yeah, what's what's with that? And he said, well, if you turn the page back in the journal, because there's a, a daily journal goes on, as everything's recorded in there. It's probably done on a computer now, obviously. But it was a hard book back then. These guys came in off duty that were assigned to that station, took their wedding bands off, wrote their names in the in the journal, and most of them didn't come back. Ugh. Why they, they they pull out the wedding rings? I, I probably to just for their wife, yeah. I guess. I, I don't I, I don't have the real reason. They, they knew they're going proof. to prove. Yeah. They knew they were they, knew they probably weren't coming out. <clears throat> and I, I don't know the timing of that. If one of the buildings had already come down, you know. Because once that happened, you knew the other one's going to go and mm-hmm. win. But we had, we had never seen anything like that. You know, if you think about it, we're, we ne- us as firemen never thought a building would come down that way. But we never thought of that aspect of attacking a building like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of conspiracies that surround 9-11, of course. Oh, um, do you, you know, because you'd never seen a building fall like that, do you subscribe to any of that stuff? Or do you think that it was purely because of jet fuel and an airplane? Well, that I'm melted a believer everything? that it was a jet fuel. Yeah, I am. it's just too overwhelming. And then, you know, you get you get a a large puddle down below, and you got all fumes going out throughout the whole building, and something ignites it. You know, which obviously a lot of that was just when the plane hit it ignited it. So right. Um, yeah, that's what I saw with it. But yeah, I was up on the pile. I was carrying buckets off and taking them off and you didn't know what but they they just said you know there was most of it was metal and just powder yeah i mean we walked in the place next to 1010 it was a deli 
at one time. Well, it was when it happened. So we went in to clean it out, and that's where we were going to store stuff, you know. And I mean, it, it was up to my waist, this shit. And we're walking through it, trying to get rid of it so that we can clean it out, so that we can put fresh storage in there that we, that we need for the incident. Yeah. It was how, how long were you back there? A week. Sandy went to New York, I want to say a year after. Uh-huh. It was right around a year after. Her and a couple of girlfriends go went. I didn't go. Uh, and one of the buildings, there was still smoke coming out of it a year later. Like still, still smoldering. Yeah, it was crazy. Like she had, she has pictures of, you know, most of the debris had been cleaned out by then. A year later, um, you know, just constant dump trucks hauling stuff out. But you know, the the footprint was still there. Um, and the streets, like where all the utilities had gone through, you know, gas lines, water lines and stuff, it was all open trench around there because they were trying to put stuff back together so that they could, um, you know, get service back to other buildings and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, just, like, incredible the amount of destruction you know, and even just the mess that was still there mm-hmm. a year later. Um, and I don't even remember when or how long it took to finally get everything cleaned up and the monuments built because I was there at one point. I don't remember how long ago or after it was, maybe three, maybe four years or whatever, but they had just built the monuments. They weren't working yet as far as like, the waterfall uh-huh. situation goes, but they had, it was surrounded by fence and you could kind of peek through and you could see the monuments and the under construction or whatever. And we went to, uh, you know, like the museum, I think was like the first building that was like finished and done. So we went in there and you could, they had some of the steel girders or whatever that, you know, were salvaged or just kind of was like, uh, tributes or mementos to the they're all over the, the country now I yeah mean, we have them at our well, we, we have them at our oh, we went in 2008 and we went through that museum there and stuff and they had the i believe correct me that uh, the water had started to run at least in that monument they hadn't mm. built the, the new tower yet though oh no so that was years later but the other thing people don't right. think about is all the destruction beyond those two buildings yeah everything oh, around yeah. there yeah was wiped out yeah and there were a lot of deaths in that you know, but everybody, not that that's bad, but everybody that wasn't really involved only think about the two, the towers. two buildings yeah. coming down. Yeah. No, there was the, yeah, widespread damage for sure oh. in the surrounding yeah. areas, no doubt. Yeah, that was, that was tough. That'll always sit. I'll always remember that, for, uh-huh. obviously. I mean, it was a war zone. 100%. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Wasn't like the submarine. Right. And... From 9-11, were you there on the 13th, 14th, 15th? How long did it take you to get there? Uh, a few days? Yeah. I, I'm guessing 15th, yeah. 16th. I don't know. It but was relatively qu- quick. I mean, there was... We weren't the initial ones, like yeah. FEMA and all that other stuff that, yeah. that dispatches. And, uh, but, um, and then the other problem they had, too, back there is they had all these volunteer departments show up. Well... You know, I, nothing wrong with volunteer departments because right. most of the country is covered by volunteer. Right. But not they don't paid have the, departments, but they're not trained. Right. 
And nothing against them, but that's just how it yep. is, you know. So they had that influx of so many departments sending, just sending people, but they were just, excuse the expression, dead weight. Yeah. Just in the way. Yeah. And they had they had no court. Yeah. yeah. Good intentions. Just exactly. And, and, and good for them, you know. But, yeah. At that moment, like, you know, if there was ever a moment in our country's history where like the whole country pulled together it was yeah. right then for a moment mm-hmm. for yeah. a moment didn't but last long didn't enough. last long yeah and which is a huge shame but at that moment you you know it was like oh they need help there i'm, I'm there like yeah we were we were united for a little bit and it, it felt pretty cool I remember, yeah that, i remember that yeah that at the, that seven one that i told you about before we we would go in that station and if we weren't working on the pile, you know, we'd go down there for six hours or so. And then, you know, you get relieved. There was a lot of people there. So we'd go back to 7-1 and we'd cook for them. We'd take runs for them. Not, not wiping out a company, but maybe leave a couple of guys behind. And we'd go with them and take the run and do whatever they tell us we need to do. And then, like, we'd be sitting back cooking and whatever. It was a, to change it and make it a little lighter. I'm in the kitchen and I'm cutting up salad and stuff, and, and all of a sudden I'm the only one in the kitchen. And I, you know, right away my light comes on and goes, "What's going on?" You know. Were they all down in the basement drinking? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, but I didn't know that, and so the youngest guy from our group come up and he goes, "Paul, they need you to, down in the basement." And I said, "Why?" They, I said, "I got to finish this. These guys are coming back. They got, they're hungry. They need to eat." And they said, no, they need you down there right now. And I said, okay. So I got, got to the top of the stairwell. And I'm just giving the guy's name as Steve. I said, Steve, you're going first. I ain't going first. Because <laughs> you all, in the back of your mind, because this one guy who did the calling was Wayne Havron. And he was a big. Stirred the pot. He, he probably stirred it almost as much as I did. And, uh. But we got he and I got along fine. That guy respected me. I'm not kidding. He went on and made captain, and unfortunately, he took his life. But mm. um, anyhow, he he was down. So I go down the stairs behind this Steve, and then you have to make a, a U-turn to go to the. And so as I get to the bottom, I'm looking over, and this basement is packed with cases of beer. Wow. <laughs> I mean, packed. Yeah. And I'm going. Uh, they don't do this on duty. You know, I mean, that's a big no-no for us. Sure. And so I turned the corner, and the next thing I know, here's a Coors Light coming my way. And it was Wayne tossed it to me, and he goes, hey, now here's the best AO on the fire department right here. And I, and one of the, and one of the New York guys go, looks like a paramedic to me. <laughs> I said, well, I got your paramedic, buddy. <laughs> so, anyhow, I mean, that's an inside thing. Okay. For a long time, paramedics weren't part of the fire department. Yeah. They were civilian paramedics, and then they got married into the department, and then they were able to roll it over where they became firemen. Fine. A lot of them were great. Which was kind of cheating, getting in, kind of. Yes. Yeah. And and then uh, some of them obviously were not, should not be firemen. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because they need a they tether, skir- they need a tether on them all the time. They skirted the training. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they went through they, a minimal training. They couldn't find the Phillips screwdriver. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah, so that was good. Lock and Cheetah was different. Remember the mudslide up in Lock and Cheetah mm-hmm. years ago? Mm-hmm. We got dispatched to that from the harbor because I was trained in urban search and rescue. So our whole task force had to learn about USAR. In fact, we had a USAR rig at our station. It wasn't manned, but it was my responsibility. Along with my rig, I had that rig too. And that thing, talk about tools. Mm. Latest and greatest, man, I'll tell you. So anyhow, we got dispatched from the harbor at 3.30 in the afternoon to try and get up past Ventura. Not fun. Not fun. I was driving on the, you know, the, the center shoulder. apron with the siren going. And people were And her horn. And they, well, there's so much traffic. Where are they going to go? You can't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we went up there, and uh, that was an experience, too. I mean, because when the mud came down, these homes, they pancaked. Mm. And so we were, we were still hopeful to find in somebody. So I take the chainsaw up on the roof, cut a hole. As soon as you cut a hole, here's another roof. Got oh, a hole. Wow. Here's another roof. Oh, because the homes they they all pancaked on top oh, of each other. Oh shit! And uh, and so we're going. Oh man, how are we going to get through this? So we just kept cutting and cutting until we finally got through the last one and were able to get in the void. And obviously that one didn't have anybody in it. But I mean, we were crawling in stuff without even a line on us because we were short manpower um, for that risk. And we're in not in our jurisdiction. You know, that's Ventura County. We have nothing to do with them. But they called us because we had training for a confined space and that kind of stuff. I mean, we're crawling under, I mean, voids that you don't want to be in. Now, in that situation, you, you've got an apparatus on, your breathing apparatus. No. I Did you pump a, air ever? Do you ever have a blower? If we, needed, if we needed to. We always oh. check the air, yes. Okay. You know, because you could have a leak in there and it's, yeah. it's, it's confined and now right. you... Now it's going to spread to where somebody can get hurt by it. So, yeah, we Did always... Did you have, like, it. detectors on your hip or anything yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, we carried all that stuff. That USAR, I'm telling you, it had everything. Yeah. Latest and greatest. Yeah. What year did you retire? Um, 08. Oh. 08. So, man, you've been retired for a while, man. <laughs> yeah. I did 35. That's good. That's good. He's also Chris. a TV star, too. What? Yeah. Oh, shit. So he's uh. And now he's on radio. Well, yeah. and and there was a movie made about him. Right. Well, this well, time he's a, this me. time he's actually on the TV. Um, because being a fireman kind of had those perks too. Is they you know if they're shooting things down. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, you were never on emergency, right? No, that's county. Okay. So he was those on. Other guys. So do you remember? You guys remember Eight Is Enough? Oh yeah. Yeah. So the little brat kid. There was a one episode where he, his closet starts on fire and it burns the house. Okay. So my dad walks right by the screen on that one, you know? Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, I actually had a hose line on that one. Yeah. I hated it, but I had it. Um, Code Red used yeah, to be on that show Red. with Lauren Green. Mm-hmm. And then the best one, though, is he was in an episode of A-Team. Yes. And they were filming at the station. I ain't he was... flying in that chopper food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were filming down at the station he was working at that day, 48th or whatever. And so we were able to get in there, but then Mr. T was getting his, you know, starting to get an attitude, you know, because if like something wasn't going right in the, the, you know, in the scene or whatever, and so he started cussing and stuff, and then the director or whatever told my my dad, hey, you you know, your kids can't be in here anymore, you know, but yeah, it's pretty cool stuff, like you know, hmm. seeing all those. The A-Team was like my favorite show at the time. Oh, but, yeah. You know. Well, you oh, had yeah. to put in for that though. You A-Team had to, and Dukes of Hazard, man. You had to call the yeah. union. Union had a list, and you could volunteer for these for the extra parts. Yeah, I mean. 
I drove a, I went to Mulholland and the, and the 405, picked up a reserve rig, drove it back down to Wilmington, where that Eight Is Enough was being filmed. And so Shirley came over and brought her mom and stepdad, and they ate with us and stuff like that. So then when it was time, I had to take, I was responsible. They were renting the rig, but I was responsible for it. Mm -hmm. So it was time to take the rig, I had to take it all the way back to Mulholland because my car was there, obviously. And I stuck Shirley in the shotgun, put my helmet on her. This is before women were on the job. And my, and my, uh, we used to wear uh, dungarees. Did your dad wear dungarees on his job? They were like Levi's. <laughs> sure, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, we would wear that at night, the jacket part of it, because you couldn't wear the pants anymore. And so I stuck her on that. She never turned her head the whole trip back to Mulholland. <laughs> she was so paranoid that I was going to get in trouble. Oh. Uh, you know? Yeah. And this was an old Hall Scott, man. I had to. You were running the lights and sirens and getting after it? No, I didn't run the lights and sirens. I did at where we were filming at, but yeah. not on the road going back, no. <laughs> and there was a captain that rode with me down there, and I stuck him back tillering so that Shirley could sit up front. <laughs> it was cool. She really liked that. She goes, that's something I always wanted to do, but I never told you. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. But yeah. I, well, there you go. You know, yeah, Ride-alongs were fun. and They'd come yeah. into the station all the time, and, and at first I would just go in and, if I didn't have my normal skipper, I'd just go in and I said, you know, hey, Bill, I, you know, I noticed something that last run. I want to take the rig out, take it around the block, you know. Well, when you drove out of the station in Harbor City, Bellport was the main drag. And this thing was probably Super eight, wide. eight lanes wide, but only marked for two. I mean, but there was only a center line. And I could drive that thing, that rig down that street as hard as I wanted to. And when I got to the end, I would flip a U and, and come back, you know. And even the step, her stepdad that rode with me one time, he was riding shotgun, and he goes, I can't believe you can do this with this truck. And I said, hey, you just, you know, you size it up, you do it, get out. you got to learn how to get out of things because it's going to happen to you sometime. Anyhow, hmm, I'm going Crazy, off. man. No, that's. Uh... Going off's good. That's what we're here for. Yep, yeah. so those uh so that was my childhood. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> impressive, you know. I mean, uh I've never had you know, I've got my own stories or whatever, but uh man, you got some stories. You you lived a a full life between I lived a good life. Yeah, well, a full life too. I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff and yeah. been in a lot of situations, helped a lot of people. Uh not, you know, not everybody can say that, you know. So uh man, you know, thanks for you know, not only your military service, but your service to the community forever. And, you it's, know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing for sure. what I wanted to do, and I got lucky. Yeah, yeah. You, you I made still it say I got lucky. I mean, I worked for it, but still, I, I was lucky to, to get in. I mean, to, for 10000 and I'm one of the 250 that get on the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's pretty fortunate. And that wasn't the first exam I took either. So uh, I had taken another one for L.A., and I took, oh, I took an oral for county. And they, uh, I had already passed the written, and I'm in for the oral. And this one guy, he just, I could just tell he didn't want me in there. You know, you just get a vibe out of some people. And he goes, why would you come to L.A. County when your grandfather and your dad were L.A. City firemen? And I told him, I said, hey, I want to be a fireman. Mm. I'm, 
if I get picked by them, fine. But right now, I'd like to be picked by you. <laughs> that's how I put it to the guy. Yeah. What else was I supposed to say? I'm, you know, what a dick for even asking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you dick. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that guy was, fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I went to the right place, and yeah. I had a great career. And got the right spot, and, you know, yeah. it, all, it only, all ends well. Only got burnt twice. and well, you look good. Spent, spent time in the hospital a couple of times. No, I had a mask on both times I got burnt. But I, back then, we didn't have hoods, so my ears were exposed. Yeah. And um, my neck, so I got burnt there. And then we didn't have what they called stirrups on our turnout. So when you put your yeah. turnout coat on, you've yeah. seen it, right? Yeah. Where it's, it's got a hole right here, so your thumb goes through, and that keeps the sleeves down. Well, when I, the first time I got burnt, the first thing you do is this, right? Because your ears are burning. What are you going to do? Do this? Well, when you do that, now your wrist gets exposed. So my wrist got burnt. <laughs> Because yeah. we didn't have long gloves. We just had normal short gloves. So then they incorporated longer gloves with webbing on it that it not adhered, but it kept it tighter on you where you wouldn't get burnt. But That way you cover your ears. So as opposed to covering, having a helmet that covered your ears, they give you longer sleeves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then they put us in hoods, and here's the other side of that. Now, because you vent out your head, right? Mm. So now you've got a hood on. Now you're staying in longer. You know, mm. you can only get so low on the ground. But you're able to withstand some of the heat. Guys are coming out of fires with helmets that are melted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. wrong. And your ears get, where it was like indicator knowing, like, hey, shit, yes. it's fucking hot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With a hood on, you're like, yeah. ah, not too no, bad. Yeah. yeah. You, sometimes when you fix one problem, you create another for yeah. sure. But they still do it. So they, I guess the lesser of two evils is how they're yeah. looking at it. Yeah, I think one of the questions we asked uh, Lee last time was, um, uh, I think we were asking about his favorite music or something like that. I don't remember. But I was going to ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on the movie like Backdraft in terms of oh, its yeah. Well, you know, it's Hollywood. So, but those things do happen. They do breathe. I've seen it. It's seeking air. Okay, and and you know the triangle, right? It's got to have those things, or you're not going to have combustion. So those things do happen, and you do not. That is one of the biggest rules when you're teaching a guy about forcible entry and stuff. Do not stand in front of the doors when you see it. It's not making the door go like this, but you can see the smoke pattern go in, come out, yeah. go in, come out. It does. It, it, it's like there's Breathes. a heartbeat in there. You the know, it's, it's breathing. Yeah, the dragon's mm -hmm. going. I never had one blow on me, but uh, I've had windows blow on me. You know, I'd walk by, you know, going by one to make another entrance from another area. And window would get, because something happened on interior that expanded. And next thing you know, I'm wearing glass. But, yeah. And I didn't have a face piece on with that one because I was outside still. How, now, does, how, does, a, how does a fireman or whoever does the inspection, how do they really determine how the fire was started? How does that even... Sam happen? wants to be an arson. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, they, they go to, obviously they go to school to learn it, and they're looking for patterns because you can, you can see where the hot spots are. And, you, and then you, once you find the hot spots, then they bring the instruments in and find out if there's any accelerant has been used on these things, you know. And that's a key for arson. And then, uh, but most arsons don't, they don't get caught unless they blab their mouth. Yeah. Uh, most of them just, 
they get away with it, you know, and it's too bad because guys have died mm-hmm. because of idiots. Right. You know, people that don't appreciate that we're there to help people. You know, we're not mm-hmm. there to hurt people. Never have been, you know. But uh, Why do we ha- hear so many stories, though, that a lot of arsonists are ex-firefighter or current firefighters? Just because th- the love of the fire? I mean... I don't think that's all in all with paid departments. You know, they used to call it a vanity fire where a guy would, like a, the night watchman would set a fire. He'd call it in. And then he would be a hero because he called it in. He but called he started it in. It. So and he started it, but it didn't get to grow. And now he gets, maybe he gets more money or something like 15 that. Fifteen minutes of he's fame done, or something yeah. like that. It's really strange. That's like a yeah. Munchausen syndrome almost. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like you're you're damaging something in order to get some form of like. Yeah, it, that used to happen right. all the time. And they, yeah. then you got the guys that get off on it. So yeah. that's the other bad thing. Yeah. Well, again, Mr. Hilzer, yeah, you know, thanks for all your stories, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been uh, a pleasure. Pretty, pretty cool. And hope I didn't bore you. Nah, dude, it's I I was like, this is actually the quietest podcast that we've ever had. It's because I'm high. Well, yeah, number one, because he's not drunk. And number two, just because to me, it's just it's been riveting. Like it's been uh, like I said, I didn't have any of these stories. Uh, I didn't have a dad who went through it, you know, so, uh, um, man, it was just cool to listen to your stories, man. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for thank you me. for we being my dad. You. Even you. We appreciate you. <laughs> you suck anyway. me in. Yeah, hey, guys, good. thanks for listening. Right. We out.